Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for the match preview. Newcastle head to Sunderland in the FA Cup third round. That is a sentence I didn't think I'd be saying for quite a while, but it has come around. I'm joined by John Gibson and we're very excited, if not a wee bit nervous about Saturday. John, first things first, have you had a nice Christmas and a good New Year? I've had a terrific one despite the results. I've managed to rise above that and uh, enjoy myself as much as possible. Yes, indeed. And it's John's birthday this week as well. Um, so hopefully you have a good birthday and that's rounded off nicely by a, a victory for Newcastle United. But John, I think it's fair to say that, uh, I don't want to speak for you, but I'll speak for myself. I'm a little yeah. bit apprehensive about this fixture because of Newcastle's form. And I know in a derby game, form goes out the window, but Newcastle have been on such a bad run that I do wonder whether it's going to impact them. Just some your general feelings a few days before the derby. How are you feeling about it? Yeah, that's a very, very good point. We've got every reason to be apprehensive. We would be apprehensive as well because um, a lot of things are against us. We've had a run of seven defeats in eight. Um, we've gone out under Eddie Howe. We've gone out at the first hurdle of the FA Cup in the two uh, competitions he's taken part in to lower opposition, lower league opposition, Cambridge United a couple of years back, Sheffield Wednesday last season. So it's all set up with the championship side this season and uh, seven defeats out the last eight. And our derby record, nine derbies without a win, three draws, six defeats. Okay, we haven't uh, met each other since March 2016, but that's still the record, nine derbies without a win. So we're naturally going to be apprehensive. But, uh, you know, I prefer to try to be realistic about it. And um, before we played Liverpool, I expected us to get exactly what we got, which was not a little bit short of a good hiding, but for Dubrovka, it might have been a good hiding. But I certainly thought we would lose, and we did. But I also thought prior to Liverpool, this was the match to target. I don't mean give up Liverpool. I don't mean give up Man City. But they're tough. They're the bookends. This is the meat and the sandwich. And this is where we have a real chance of getting rid of that run of defeats and get a victory. And we ought to, um, for several reasons, we ought to because of our standing against Sunderland's standing, uh, for goodness sake, this season Sunderland's been playing in the Championship and we've been playing in the Champions League. That tells you the, the gulf there is in the class. And, you know, all right, we have every... And, of course, fans, I believe, Andrew, the fans have a right to be apprehensive, nine games without a win, but the team don't because the team are virtually newcomers. You know, they're, they're guys outside of Longstaff, who's a, a Geordie, um, etc., etc. Uh, these are new lads that aren't part of our recent derby history, and they should just look at the difference in the class gap between where we are in the Premier League and where Sunderland are in the Championship. And, OK, this is away from home, and our record is shocking away from home this season, but that's our Premier League record. I would like them to remember the other competitions and remember that we went to Manchester United in the Carabao Cup and won 3-0. Remember we went to Chelsea in the same competition and over 90 minutes drew 1-1. Remember in the Champions League we went to AC Milan and drew. We went to Paris Saint-Germain and drew. Now you tell me if Sunderland are as good as those four, four teams. Are Sunderland as good as Manchester United, Chelsea, AC Milan in PSG, I would suggest not. And that being the case, there's no reason why we can't get a result on Saturday where we win or we draw and produce a replay, which then we win at St James's, and therefore Newcastle should go through. And that's the way we have got our portrait. We being the team representing us, Jodies. We can be apprehensive because we've been used with a history of chaos and confusion and we've got a derby history that's bad, but the players ought not. The players ought to remember those four games all away from home when we never lost against vastly superior opposition. 
Mm. I don't think Sunderland's record at home is is too clever either. So no. that's something that maybe Newcastle can can get at. You mentioned there, John Sean Longstaff. Of course, there's Dan Byrne. There's uh, Lewis Miley. Ali Anderson will be there and thereabouts. And obviously, he's not going to be involved, but he'll obviously have Paul Dummett. Paul Dummett. Jamal Lascelles was here the last time Newcastle uh, played in in this fixture back in 2016. So how important is it for those players, you know, the Geordies particularly, but we'll include Jamal Cells in it as well, to, to really relay the message back to those who have no idea what this is, this fixture means to Newcastle United fans, who have never played in it, who haven't grown up watching it yeah, uh, from yeah. the terraces? How important oh, is I'm it? Sh- I'm certain people like uh, like Longstaff and here, perhaps not uh, Lewis Miley because he's a young boy. Will he go in and wag his finger under the nose of the senior pose and say, lose this one at your pedal. But I think the others will already have done that. But you know where it starts before that, Andrew? Can we make certain, and I'm certain it has happened, that Eddie Howe knows? Because the first thing he's got to do is put his best side out, mate. Put out the side he considers his very best side. I mean, we went to Manchester United in the Carabao Cup, I'm saying, and we won 3-0. But it was virtually reserves in the outfield 11, the outfield 10 of the 11, and really on a run of seven defeats and eight and playing a derby. I mean, Eddie Howe will get the message there. I mean, you know, Eddie Howe, anybody that's been having a go at Eddie Howe has been ludicrous and ridiculous because of his boat was so far in such a short space of time and he'll get it right again before the season ends. But I tell you what's his worst nightmare, Andrew, Newcastle losing at Sunderland. Because then there will be a section of fans that he lose because of that result coming on top of seven defeats out of eight. And the best way to guard against that is send your very, very best, what he considers his very, very best side out against Sunderland. Surely there's no doubt about it. He'll be playing his strongest team. I would, I would hope so, but I mean, I can't remember. I can't. I remember only too well how shocked I was when I got the team sheet at Manchester United. It was wonderful later because we won three 0 But if you remember that team, there were ten outfield changes. There was only the keeper, which was Pope at the time, that was retained. Now, don't have any. T- he might have had a temptation to go down that route, you know, because that's the route he went down with Sheffield Wednesday last season and look at the result we got there. And I don't think Eddie would be daft enough to risk that this time because, you know why? Not just because it's a derby, but because of the run one. If we've lost seven out of eight, you can't afford to lose to a championship side, regardless of whether it's Sunderland or not. Uh, So I can't see him doing it. But Eddie, do yourself a favour, my son. Don't do it. Don't even think about it. I suppose the big question is, what indeed is his strongest side because <laughs> of the injuries? Dubravka, no doubt, will start in goal. I, I guess the big questions are, John, about the full-back area. So, Kieran Trippier misses Liverpool. He's got a groin injury. Eddie Howe said he's unsure about the severity of it. Will there be a chance he's back in? Let's say he misses the game against Sunderland. Uh, just for this question, what do you do? Do you play Emil Kraft at right back and Livermento at left back, or do you play Livermento at right back and keep Dan Byrne in the side? Well, I know, I know. Um, before I get on to that one, and I'm not talking it because it's a terrific question, Andrew, can I say this? You know, we look at it, a lot is being made now about Newcastle United, you know, having 10 guys or more, two figures. 10, 11, 12, 13, guys unavailable, mainly because of injury, coupled because of suspension or whatever. But this huge backlog, and the minute we get somebody back, we say, oh, isn't it terrific? What a boost that is. I tell you what, watching us against Liverpool and watching us in the games before that, we have had big names back that I can't recognise. Botman is, because they've been rushed back, Botman is not playing like the Botman we know. Fabulous uh, goal at Liverpool, great header. He was head and shoulders literally above anybody else to stick it in. But Botman's not playing like Botman can. And I thoroughly understand why. I'm not having a go. Byrne 
is looking since he came back. I'm not a fan of him playing left back, but he is not looking anything like. Longstaff's a pale shadow. Gordon looks shattered and looks as if he hasn't got the legs and his whole game's about legs. And if we go to other players that's currently out the side, Almiron's out the side because he's not doing anything. Wilson was out the side anyway, now injured. And Trippier has looked well beneath his form. So there we go. Botman, Byrne, Longstaff, Gordon, Almiron, Wilson, Trippier can all be on team sheets recently. And it doesn't mean a thing because it's not the Botman we know. It's not the Gordon we know. So the team sheet itself isn't going to be the answer to all the problems because they can go out there and be pale shadows of themselves. At fullback, we have got a, we have got a problem because, you know what? I thought the whole back four was poor individually and collectively at Liverpool. Um, and, and, you know, we didn't know that we'd say this. And it sounds ludicrous if somebody wasn't watching the game to say the man of the match let four goals in, and that was the Burke. But he was. It could have been ten without Martin. Uh, it could have been ten. And I thought the two centre halves were pulled about and were off the pace. And I thought, you know, the full backs. I thought Livermento struggled. Burn, I thought, was awful. But I thought Livermento didn't look the the best. Because Diaz was it was a problem, and, and and obviously Mo Salah was going to be a problem, so you can go right along that back four and say what was there, and you can look into midfield, and is there anybody with discipline in midfield that can actually defend? I mean, is Bruno supposed to be playing as a six? He hasn't got the discipline to play as a six, and also, and he doesn't want to play as a six, does he? When you watch the way he plays, he's itching to get forward, and when he gets forward, he drops in. Nobody. So the midfield, you could drive a bus through it. You could drive a bus through, which puts the, the back four under immense pressure because people are pouring under them. I mean, I'm always going to depress ourselves and haven't boosted us about how we can beat Sunderland through looking at those away results. Uh, we, we now go into, you've asked me about them individually, and it's tough going, isn't it? It is, it is. Um, but it's it's the realistic viewpoint of, of what is going on and I don't think anybody will argue with your analysis of the midfield, of the defence, of Dan Byrne, of the players you've mentioned who are severely out of form. I think you're absolutely spot on. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, I think at fullback, if it was me making the decisions, and this is always the key point, I would be playing Emil Kraft at right back and Tina Livermento at left back. I think what will actually happen is Tina Livermento at right back uh, and Dan Byrne at left back. If Kieran Trippier's fit, I think it'll be Trippier and Dan Byrne at left back. Basically, what I'm saying is, I think if Eddie Howe's picking the side, which he will be, Dan Byrne doesn't drop out of the side. And that's a little bit worrying. I don't want to scapegoat Dan Byrne. I don't want to scapegoat anybody because it's a collective issue. The team collectively are below par. They're tired. They're fatigued. The fight's lacking a little bit. It's not just Dan Byrne's fault. But if Dan Byrne starts against Sunderland and he plays like he did against Forest and Liverpool, that could be the weak point. You got maybe Jack Clark targets him. I don't know which side to play on, but you know Dan Clark Byrne's going to have to up. likes the other side. He play against Ready. the right back, uh, and he is a good player, by the way. But he is Sunderland's best player by miles and could play in the Premier League. Clark. So he is going to be a problem for somebody whoever's up against him, but. You know my thoughts about Dan Byrne, bless him. And I always say bless him because he's my famous phrase that you always smile about. He's got the heart the size of a frying pan. And he has. And he's a Geordie and he cares like Billy O. But he's not a left back for me. He's obviously a left back for, for, for um, Eddie because he plays him there enough. And he's signed. Uh, I mean, he can play Trippy over there. He can play Leverminco over there. He's signed Hall. Uh, he's got Dummett. He's knee deep in theory in people that can play left back, but Burns stays the number one choice. So he's a left back to the manager, and I bow to his knowledge, but he's not a left back to me. And I think he struggles there. He's better at centre half than at left back. I think he struggles there. And we could get done in the wide positions because I think I think Diaz and Saar done us well and truly at Anfield. They're two wide men tortured our fullbacks. 
Mm, yeah, yeah. Was, I mean, Salah getting his hundred and fiftieth uh, Premier League goal and getting and getting another one. But I mean, the first goal people will know. I've already slated Dan Byrne for what I saw a schoolboy defending the way he ran over to the right side and left Salah in eight as a space to do what Salah could have done with his eyes closed. And we can't see that on Saturday. It doesn't matter whether it's against Liverpool or against Sunderland or whether it's against, you know, right in, in, in a pre-season friendly. You can't leave wingers, you know, with that much uh, time and space. But given it's a local derby, John, it is the derby. Given what we've said about the, the, the knowledge that the likes of Longstaff and Dan Byrne will be passing on, do you play Dan Byrne in the hope that it gives him a little bit more you know, he's playing in this dream fixture, which he never thought he'd get to play in. And, I, think and, Eddie, I think Eddie Howe will play him, like you think he would. I think Eddie Howe will almost certainly play uh, Dan Byrne on one side and probably love Flamenco on the other, unless Trippier miraculously gets off his bed of nails. I wouldn't. And by the way, I understand why you play Kraft, because Kraft's a 7 out of 10 every game. He's not a 9 out of 10, but he's not a 4 out of 10. Um, now, my only hope if you play uh, if you play Dan Byrne is that he's, he's least not playing in the Premier League. He's playing a championship side and he's not playing Mo Salah. So perhaps he, he would get away with doing a job, uh, using his loaf a little bit um, at Sunderland. But he's always going to lack pace. And, and, and it's horrible seeing him turn around and try to chase somebody. It, it is really tough. But I don't want to have a go at him because I think, you know, Shaw and Botman have been two of the greatest uh, players we had last season. And look, but I tell you what, do I recognise those guys down at Anfield, those two? No, I didn't. And, and, you, know, you know, what I would do, I would be tempted to play Jamal Lascelles and I would be tempted to bring him in for Sven Botman. And you have Botman on the bench. And I know people watching and listening will be saying, Oh, you're crazy. But I just think Jamal Lascelles, he's played so well replacing Sven Botman during the time he's been out. Botman, as you rightly say, doesn't look fit. And yes, the only way you get match fit is by playing games. But this is a this is a different kind of game altogether. This isn't a game where you play your players to to get the numbers up, to get the fitness up. This is a game that you need to win. And look, I'm not saying if Eddie Howe loses, he'll be under pressure and he'll be out the door. That's not the case at all. But you don't want to lose this game. It's it's a death of glory game. It's a death of glory game. And it's the last competition that we can win this season. Mm. You know, if, if you lose, now heaven forbid, but if you lost somehow, you lost to Sunderland. And then you don't beat Man City and Aston Villa then you're out of all competitions by the Premier League and you've trailed off. We're ninth now. If we lose to Man City and Aston Villa, and that's a distinct possibility. I'm not suggesting it's going to happen, but it's a distinct possibility. Now, if that happens, where's our season? Mm. So and then, this and then, is the one we've got to... First things first, we've got to get through the FA Cup. And then if you do lose this game, John, those defeats to Villa and Aston Villa... Uh, sorry, to Man City, Aston Villa. As much as some people would expect it anyway, they sting a little bit more because you've got the stench of the Derby defeat oh, right there. And you know, I mean, so if anybody doesn't, if anybody doesn't realise that, be it Eddie Howe, be it Bruno, be it Isaac, um, any of the the new lads or the the foreign lads, if they don't realise it. By Jove, and heaven forbid they ever find out, but let them see what Newcastle as a city centre is like once we've lost the derby, Matt. Mm. Um, so we'll continue with the, with the starting 11. Like I say, my starting 11, yeah. if it was not fit, would be Livermento, uh, Cher, Lascelles, and um, sorry, Kraft, Cher, Lascelles, and Livermento on the left. And what I think will happen, I think we'll try everything to get Trippier back. I think it'll be Trippier, Cher. Botman and Dan Byrne in the midfield. I think it'll be Miley, Bruno, and Longstaff. Um, I, I mean, I would, I'd be tempted personally to take Longstaff out, but again, I think Eddie Howe will be relying on a boost because he's a local lad and this is the game he's always wanting to play. Sentimentality, sentimentality hasn't served Eddie Howe too well of late. Again, I'm not sure if this is the game where you rely on sentimentality, but I can see 
maybe the reasoning for it to a degree. I can't see him changing the, the midfield three, though, John, despite them against Liverpool giving the ball away at every opportunity, despite the fact it is their main weakness because they can't handle a counter-attack. They're awful in the transition. But I guess people would say, well, what what, what options have you got? Do you bring Longstaff I mean, in? By the way, I, I think you're right. Uh, picking Eddie Howe's side, I think the back four that you said would be Eddie Howe's back four and the mid three of what you've just said of Longstaff, Miley and um, Bruno, Bruno will be Eddie's three. <laughs> One thing, I, I am so worried about the midfield is a sweeping generalisation, not just for the Sunderland match. You always get the feeling you might just get away with something in the Sunderland match because the opposition isn't Champions League or top of the Premier League like Liverpool or like Man City's going to be or like Aston Villa at home will be. It's not that level. Whatever Sunderland may say and whatever the fans may say, the brutal truth is that Sunderland aren't at that level. If there were, there would be a division up and doing it. So that you might get away with people that have been playing indifferently, being able to find some sort of form against Sunderland. But I mean, if this was a Premier League game, I would only be creating a problem up front. But we are so... People just drive open bushes through our midfield that I would be tempted to put Joe Linton in there just to give us some physicality in the midfield. I I know we've then got a problem. What do we do with the, the front three? And does that mean Almiron's got to come back to go with Gordon and Isaac or or what? So, you know, you, it's, you plug one hole and you, you, you create a hole somewhere else. And I don't think that will happen. I think we'll play the normal three, will Eddie. But if I was playing Man City, I would be wondering about playing Joe Linton in the middle of the park to give us some sort of presence. Because I tell you what, we are like confetti in the breeze. In the midfield, you know when you get confetti at a wedding and you throw it all up in the air and it just goes anyway. That's our midfield at the moment. Yeah, it certainly is. And I think one of the things that concerns me more than anything is that when you look at that midfield three, the long staff, Bruno and Miley, I genuinely think, from an Eddie Howe point of view, the one who is most at risk of dropping out is Lewis Miley. Now, in my view, Lewis Miley has been the best of all three of them for the last month, six weeks. And I wouldn't be dropping him out for love and the money but I do think there's a strong possibility that if a change comes in, it will be Joe Linton oh. or Lewis Miley and Miley drops to the bench, which I think would be the wrong decision because over the last few weeks, the only man in that midfield, the man, the only boy, shall I say, with all due respect to Lewis Miley, because that's what he is, he's a boy at the moment, with composure, is him. A 17-year-old lad has been the best midfielder in Newcastle have had over the last few weeks. I, I think the only that's one with composure on the ball. But I, I do think I, he's at risk. I, I take that. I take that, Andrew. The worry is, of course, and I've seen it over the years and over the years, and we've had all the whiz kids at Newcastle from Gaza and Neil MacDonald, who was coming at 16, and Paul Ferris, who come in at 16, and I saw all these players play. And the trouble is that it, if only Miley could have come in at his age now, because a year ago, it's getting to be nonsense, because a year ago, he was even more of a boy. But if he could have come into a top four side, what a player, he, like we were last season, what a player he would look. The trouble is, when you come into this sort of side, you either A, pick up bad habits, temporarily, I mean, or B, the people around you not only don't help you, but they don't even keep their shape or keep their position, and you start looking not the player you really are. I mean, defensively, Miley's not a defensive player, but people have run off him a couple of times defensively because he's a boy, for goodness sake, he's learned. Going that way, going forward, he is absolutely magnificent. A couple of players have taken advantage of his naivety in youth and run off his shoulder into space and he's let players go. By the way, He's hardly the only one that does that. We do that completely in the middle of the field. I mean, Bruno, the superstar. And by the way, it's it's a, just a little thought, mate. But Bruno will love you. You don't have to play the hero every week. 
You don't have to pull forward. You don't have to lash over to the cloud after a tackle and do do your he-man stuff, you know, on the spot. Uh, you know, we love you. We know you care. Keep your discipline. Keep the game. And don't want to be Superman with a cape on every week. Just get the job done. That is one thing that worries me about Saturday, John, is that I, I have got a strong suspicion it's not going to end 11 v 11. And if I was a betting man, which I'm not, I'll be putting a few quid on uh, Bruno to get to get sent off because I think you you watch him and you're right. He he's, he always wants to be involved. He's passionate. And you love it. You love to see him whipping up the crowd and all that. But he's getting frustrated as games go on. He's getting more and more frustrated. He's yes, kicking he out. And, put, and in yes, that scenario, that derby, you know, the, the, the fierce rivalry, the atmosphere that's going to be there. He's going to be pumped, and. If Newcastle are, are losing, if Newcastle are playing particularly badly, which we hope they won't be, you could see him getting frustrated a lot earlier on. And if I'm Michael Beale, if I'm honest, I, I'd be in the year of, I mean, I, I couldn't tell you which midfielder would be up against him, but I'd be in the year of one of his midfielders and saying, right, get inside the head of Bruno because he's a quality player, but he's got a short fuse. That's where I'd be targeting. And that does concern me a little bit because you, you need to channel that passion and that aggression and we haven't seen of late someone going over and just saying, Bruno, as you say, John, just calm it down slightly. You're going to get yourself sent off, lad. You're oh, pick up yeah. this book and you're going to get sent off. You know, we need to see that leadership from other people going over to a world-class player and just saying, park it because we need you on the pitch. We need you focused. He's a walking potential red god. There's, there's absolutely no question. But also, when he loses it like that, he's less of the player. Then he really is. It, 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 that goes, and the more we, you see, this is what I was saying about Lewis Miley. When you get in the side that's lost seven out of eight, Lewis Miley looks round, people aren't giving him this up. I would love to have seen him in the side when we were fourth top. You know, the age is now, if I could transfer him back into that side, where the players around him were doing the job, where Longstaff was covering things, when was covering Bruno when he went up, etc. Et you know what we've got now? We've got, and I'm sorry to say it, we've got three ill-disciplined midfielders. They go anyway. They just go anyway. I mean, have, has somebody sat them down and talked shape to them? Talked discipline to them. You know, if Bruno's a six, I tell you what, you're going to play six. I'm going to put chains on you in the minute. You can't go forward because you're playing six. Or Longstaff plays six and Bruno goes forward. By the way, you know why we've got this trouble? Because we didn't buy a six. We're supposed to buy a six so that Bruno could get on his bike and be what he wants to be. Tonali's not a six, by the way. We a lot of people presumed that he was when we bought him, so that it released Bruno, Tenali. Everybody we've got, you look at them: Willick, Joe Linton, Tenali, Miley, Longstaff, Bruno. There's not a six there. So who does the defensive duty in midfield? And we'll pass on. We'll pass the book on. Oh, it's Bruno. But should it be there, be Longstaff? Um, and it's certainly not going to be Lewis Miley. So there's a real, real problem there. And by the way, can I just point out, this is January. We can do something about it. This is not for Saturday's cup tie, but we can do something about it. This is January, if we want to do something about it. Mm, if, if, if FFP allows as well, see the thing. But do you think, John, Forrest managed to exploit it, Luton managed to exploit it, Liverpool managed to exploit it. Do you fear Sunderland are going to exploit it? Well, there's two sides there, and I want to give utmost respect, but I also want to be truthful. There's two sides there called Forrest and Luton that by Premier League sides are below average, and they exploited it. So what's to say that Sunderland is slightly better than average championship side at home with a huge cloud behind them a lot of bonuses to be had if, if Sunderland win this. A lot of kudos, a lot of takes for a new manager for them. A lot of confidence for them trying to get into the playoffs. We can It can hand them an awful lot. And yes, it, it is distinctly possible. Now, we got away without a six last season, but we, we had a different mentality. Bruno was all over the park. And we had a discipline. If Bruno went 
Longstaff sat. If Longstaff went, Bruno sat. They, were, they, they worked in a tandem like that. So there was always a player covering that defensive in front of the back four. We don't do that now. No, neither of those guys do that now. What did they then? Bruno went. Longstaff immediately dropped into where Bruno used to be. Or the, or the other way on if, Bruno, if Longstaff goes. We don't do that anymore. If Bruno goes, Longstaff's up there. And, and by the way, they're both getting overtaken by Shaw. Yeah. Yeah, no, there is an issue with that. I agree. I don't understand why no one sat down and just explained to them how they should be playing, um, at least until they get a a new number six. And it does worry us that something may exploit it because of a Michael Beal. That's what I've been looking at over the last uh, few days. That's where I'll be targeting. And I spoke to my colleague, James Hunter, who covers uh, Sunderland's. We've done the view from the opposition um, a, a few days earlier this week. That's already out on the podcast channel, so make sure you do uh, have a listen. And he said the one thing Sunderland are really good at of late is the research. You know, he he actually said the effort they put into researching the opposition is the best it's been. He feels in his 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 time. Then he's been there since nineteen ninety nine. So that shows you um, how much uh, work is going on behind the scenes at Sunderland. But on Michael Beale, John, obviously he's he's new into the job, only been in there a few weeks. Um, he's also come into a situation, as, as James explained on the View from the Opposition episode, where it wasn't a bad situation. It wasn't a firefighter job. You know, things were happy. You know, Mowbray's moved on, not because he was doing badly, just because they wanted a, a change for whatever reason. So he's not coming and had to fight fires. I guess that's obviously a, a big plus because if you were coming in and you're brand new to the job and you've, you, you know, you, you're having to sort out loads of issues and then you've got this big fixture right on you within three weeks of taking the role, it's slightly different. It's slightly more daunting, but if things are, well, they're quite rosy, you'll be looking yeah. forward to this, this, this fixture a lot more than you would be otherwise. I, I feel very sorry for Tony Mowbray, who I know quite well from the old days when he was a when he was a player at uh, Middlesbrough. And I feel sorry for him because at championship level, he's a very good manager and he works very, very well with young players. He, he had a lot to do with Adam Armstrong's uh, development uh, in the championship into a goal-scoring championship player. And Adam is that. He's proved that at Southampton now. It's a different kettle of fish in the Premier League, but in the championship. And Moby is terrific with young players. And that made him the perfect manager for Sunderland because they're a bunch of young players. But the trouble is that Mowbray, like any manager, reaches an impasse and he wants to win promotion. And quite rightly, he wants that on his personal CV. So he's pushing the board to say, "What we, we've got a bunch of terrific kids, but we need three senior players to go in there with a little clever nose and just be the icing on the cake and we get promotion. Sunderland aren't interested in senior players. They're too old. They're interested in kids brought in at a certain price and sold on at a bigger price. And believe you me, Jack Clark will go at some stage. There's no question about it. I don't think it'll be in January because it's not a window, but it'll be next summer unless Sunderland went up into the Premier League. I think Jack Clark will go. And I feel sorry for Moby because he was doing a good job, well liked by the fans, and all he suffered from was ambition. Well, isn't that what you're supposed to have? So I do feel sorry for him. But you're right. The new managers come into a situation where there isn't trouble and strife. Uh, a lot of managers come into a new club and they, they're you're firefighting from the first day you arrive here. You know, it sounds peculiar, Andrew, but there's more pressure on Eddie Howe in this game than there is on Beale because Eddie Howe's on the bad run, Beale isn't. Newcastle's mm. on the bad run, Sunderland aren't. My Newcastle, if Sunderland lost this, it wouldn't be the end of the world. They would be disappointed, the fans would be sickened, etc., etc. But they would just say, Let's get promoted. Let's get into the playoffs. Let's concentrate. The FA Cup isn't our competition. We want to beat Newcastle, but the FA Cup isn't our competition. Newcastle haven't got that. Newcastle lose to Sunderland. The world temporarily falls apart. So there's more pressure on Eddie Howe and there's more pressure on Newcastle than there is on the new Sunderland manager and Sunderland. Mm. 
Mm, yeah, I mean, James did say it wouldn't be a defining result if Newcastle beat Sunderland. It wouldn't be defining nope. for, for Michael Beale. Michael Beale, you, you get the sense that Sunderland are kind of laying the groundwork, you know, with the things they're saying, and you speak to fans as well. You know, they're, they're not optimistic of a win, and it always comes back to Newcastle being a Champions League side. And Michael Beale, in his press conference, said it's a great time, it's a great game to be involved in. It's a, it's a great game that captivates the northeast. We need to be at our best as we arrive in the game. It's intriguing going up against the Champions League team. So there we go again, dropping in the Champions League team. And, you know, they're, they're playing up, they're lapping up this underdog uh, badge that, that, that they've got going into this game, aren't they? Well, yeah, and so they should. I mean, I can't blame them for that. I mean, I'm, I'm out and out Newcastle United, man. But, I mean, that's the way to approach it. And, I mean, I've done a lot of that in the league. I remember going with uh, in the FA Cup. I remember... Going as a non-league side with Gateshead to Halifax Town, which we, who were managed by Paul Bracewell, ex-Newcastle and ex-Sunderland, uh, in the FA Cup, and I was doing exactly the same. I was talking to our lads, right? well, it's nice for part-timers to be playing against full-timers, it's nice for, for non-league to be playing against the league side, pulling up the, the, the difference, But and we won. We beat them and knocked them out 2-0. Um, so it is what Sunderland will be doing. And it's quite right. But our man, and I'm, I'm sure Eddie, Eddie Howe should be saying, excuse me, there's a sea of a difference here. There's a sea of a difference is they're playing the Championship and we've been playing in the Champions League. You should give them the four results I've just given to you. Manchester United away, Chelsea in the Carabao Cup, AC Milan and PSG in the Champions League. Three draws and a win. And by the way, either of those results will do on Saturday, a draw or a win for Newcastle. That'll do. And he should be saying, look, that's what we've done. Never mind last season. Everybody's saying what a great side we were last season and this season we're not. Their four-way results, forget about the Premier League way results, which are hopeless. We're not playing a Premier League side. They are four results this season. And are those four teams better than Sunderland? And even though Chelsea and Manchester United aren't the Chelsea and Manchester United of old, you would still say they're better than Sunderland. And you would certainly say AC Milan and Paris Saint-Germain So there you go. That's what our lot should be saying. And their lot will be saying, we're playing a Champions League side. It, 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 this is lovely, but we, there's no uh, shame if uh, we haven't had a defeat. Yeah, well, I mean, we've been talking about the message from the players, the Geordie players to the rest of the squad, but we haven't yet spoken about Eddie Howe. Obviously, he's not had an experience, to my no. knowledge, of, of a proper derby. Um, obviously, has you, had an experience you don't get there. a lot of them at Bournemouth. You do, but no. um, you're playing Southampton or something, and I would suggest not quite the passion of this game. So how easy is it for him, who's not experienced a derby? And all derbies are different. Of course, Michael Beale has been in the old firm, which is a ferocious derby, but... Each derby is different, you know. What you get at an old firm is not what you get in the time we had derby. You know, each each has their own merit, but that experience in the old firm will lend Michael Beale somewhat to understanding the situation, maybe slightly better. Some would argue. Would you subscribe to that notion, or do you think Eddie Howe will be well aware of what this means and, and how important it is? He better be, uh, and I'm certain he is, and. Um... You know, if you go to Wembley in the Carabao Cup or you play, okay, we lost that one, but talk about the semi-final, which we, we won. If you go away to grounds like Liverpool, Man City, uh, Arsenal, they're pretty tough. They've got good atmospheres. They, You know, it ain't that much different. Uh, the, the result is to the fans, but the atmosphere isn't. And his mind's concentrated. I mean, Eddie Howe does his homework. He, he's lost seven games out the last eight. He he won't go lighthearted into this because in, in, he's not a fool. And he, he always talks about blocking out the media and blocking out and not watching the news or the telly and not this and not that and not the other. You don't think he doesn't know what defeat at Sunderland would do to him personally as well as the club. And I'm not suggesting for one second that he would get the, the the bullet on Sunday night. I'm not being silly, but it would have to do him no favours, would it? You know, if you forget what we all think, it would have to do him no favours. By the way, it would do us no favours if we are sitting Saturday night and we've just 
been knocked out the cup for the third successive year by a team from a lower division, and that team just happens to be Sunderland. Yeah, it certainly wouldn't. And I mean, both teams have got shocking records of late in the FA Cup. Uh, oh. Just to just to, to to add that, but you're right. And look, anyhow. Every time he speaks, he seems to get it. He seems to understand. I'm no doubting that he's he's well aware of the the the, the seriousness and the the importance of, of picking up a victory on Saturday. He will want to win. It'll start that momentum, hopefully, for the rest of the season. Which goodness knows Newcastle United need. It'll stop the the the, the rot that they're in um, currently with their, their Premier League form. Hopefully, so a massive massive game. And I'm sure he's done his research and is well aware of what it means to to the fans and and to those players who have lived it and breathed it since they were little ones as well. Uh, John, just just briefly before we get your your prediction of how it's going to go, the atmosphere is going to be electric, isn't it? Your Castle United fans been bust along from about half past eight, so they're going to have a long wait until, until the kick-off, but they've got additional seats. Um, some of the fans are not happy, and, and you can understand why, because some of them have been removed from their from their seats, which they hold through their season tickets, which I, if it was the other way around, I'm sure Newcastle fans would be raging at that as well, but it's, you know, the increased amount of visiting fans just takes it up a level, doesn't it? And it's going to be a boisterous atmosphere. Well, I mean, it's March 2016 since we last had the time we Derby atmosphere. That is how long ago, and we've missed it. And yes, I agree. Uh, the previous nine were unbelievable. Like, you know, six defeats and, and three draws. Unbelievable from majority's point of view. But I've got a, a lot of memories of derbies and, um, you know, they are extra special. We wanted them back and I, I welcome them back. I would like us to have been in better shape. Uh, there's absolutely no question about that. Because as I say, um, field your best team. But when I see the team sheet, Andrew, I will not be convinced by the, all the names being on there because I've just run through with you earlier in this podcast, all the guys who are big names who aren't performing anything like they should. Um, so there's that sort of problem. And another problem we haven't mentioned that I would just like to mention in passing is Callum Wilson. I didn't I'm want to bring the mood down further, John. Well, and uh, this wasn't to sort of get depressed because he wasn't there. It's just to say, I've loved Callum. He's been in England and national. I once said about, I don't know, nine or ten months ago, that if he stayed completely fit all the time, he could become a number nine legend on ability. But I tell you what, I'm sick of waiting and I'm, I'm waiting no more. This guy cannot hold a meaningful shirt at Newcastle in the future, whether it's the second half of this season or next season. He could stick around in the same way as Dummett has stuck around and Matt Ritchie stuck around because he's loved by how, if he's willing to do that and be a number. But he can't be one of our two centre-forwards because he's not reliable enough, fitness-wise. And by the way, when he come back after the last injury, he's never looked the same player yet. He was still getting up to speed, wasn't he? He was still getting up to speed when all of a sudden it's a cough. I mean, we don't have to see him get injured in a game. He'll get injured in training, in regularly. And quite frankly, we can't live on just Isaac. We can get Isaac's fine for Saturday, but we have got to get another... Both of us have been banging on about a number nine anyway. Um, and a third number nine we were talking about. As far as I'm concerned, it's a second number nine now. Yeah, yeah. And we have been banging on it for a while. And I made the point um, uh, just about six weeks ago, two months ago, that you bring in a, a striker who can both rival Wilson and Isaac for now. You're not talking about a young striker. I took a few pelters for it. And look, I'm not I'm not sitting here glad that I can say I told, told you so because... When we say about Callum Wilson's fitness and we get frustrated about it, I'm I'm devastated that he's not going to play on Saturday. Yeah. Because for me, I would I would have started him against Sunderland. That's what I would have done if he was fit. I would have played him ahead of Isaac. And when we I, would, I wouldn't, him, but I wouldn't, but you you might I wouldn't uh, yeah. because I, I I actually think Isaac's got better feet, a better brain, and is quicker. Um, but I rate Wilson as well. There's no doubt about that. Mm. But Isaac, and bear in mind, uh, 
Wilson's on the wrong side of 30 and Isaac's on the right side of 25. Um, so, and I think Isaac, look at the goal he took. It, it, it He's not playing well. He, he, he's not playing up to the standard he can. You could have added him to all the names I'd give you before. But when you see him score that goal at, at, at uh, Liverpool, uh, his quality. But we can't rely on him fitness-wise too much. We can rely on him on Wilson, but not too much. And and so that was... But quite me, if we go on what we need, Andrew, we need a six, we need a centre-forward, they want the right winger. Um, <laughs> you could put anybody along the back four and, and, and want somebody in there. You could say we need a goalkeeper until Dubrovka played like that and still let four in, bless him. Um, so there's an awful lot we could sign, and, but we won't in general. We sign them all, no. Yeah, yeah. And I was just going to make the point that the, the, the kind of the, the criticism and, and analysis of Callum Wilson, his injuries is, is done through frustration because I think, as we've both mentioned, both big fans and we wish it was a totally different scenario, but sadly it isn't. Before I get your uh, prediction, John, just sum up briefly what this fixture means to you. Um, everything that is possible to mean from being a small boy, uh, being Newcastle United obsessed, but the game's inevitably the game I always look forward to in a fixture list when we're both in the same division has been Sunderland because of the games that mean more than anything else. And I've gone through, you know, the great days where we've had super matches like beating them Sunderland five at St. James's Park when um, uh, Kevin Nolan scored a hat-trick in um, Steve Bruce was standing in front of me in the Sunderland dugout. I could almost tap him on the shoulder, and he was so decimated. And um, you know, Beardsley scoring a hat trick uh, against Sunderland. Uh, so many wonderful, wonderful memories. I have had the other side of the coin, and I've watched Gabbiadini and Gates do us at St James's Park in a, in a playoff day for promotion, where we lost two 0 uh, agony. Uh, agony. Uh, uh, McNamee swinging on the crossbar at Walker Park when he, we were 3 1 down, and I was getting dogs abuse from the, the Sunderland fans just in front of me. And then in the 93rd minute, McNamee bullet header swung on the, on the crossbar 3 uh, 3. I was doing my report on the phone. All the Sunderland fans in front of me, dispirited, disappearing home. Two fans left in the Sunderland paddock right in front of me, turned round, unzipped the coat, opened it like that and had black and white shirts on, put the thumbs up to me. Great, Gibble. Memories like that stay with you for all time. And that's what this match means. It's the biggest match on our calendar. Of course we want Champions League and PSV nights. Of course we want to go to cup finals. But Newcastle v Sunderland is something special and we haven't had it for youngs. We've got it on Saturday, but you know what? It's only a great game when you win. Certainly, certainly is. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, the last time these two met in the FA Cup was 1956. So you would have been a, a, a young man. And in that team, interesting. A young whippersnapper. And we, by the way, and we lost. We were, yeah. due, to, we were due to go back to Wembley uh, because for the fourth time, in six years to win the cup for the fourth time in six years and we went to Sunderland and we lost but here's another little fact to throw at you before we, with all the nonsense we're talking I think about. I know what you're going to say the season before the season no you're not you, no this go is on, interesting sorry. in the in the FA Cup the season before 1955 the last time Newcastle United won the FA Cup they beat Manchester City in the final which you, you probably remember from the record books, not from being there, I hasten to add. But what people forget is that that year should have been a Newcastle v Sunderland FA Cup final at Wembley. Manchester City beat Sunderland 1-0 in the other semi-final when Newcastle beat York, or it would have been Newcastle v Sunderland at Wembley in an FA Cup final. Wouldn't that have been something? That's not what I thought you were going to say. I had no idea that was the case, which is a fantastic little tale. I was just going to mention 
um, that Bob Stoker was in that 56 side with Milburn and then, of yeah. course, went on to, to win the FA Cup with Sunderland, didn't he? So, as, as manager, Bob, so... Bob Stoker was in the Newcastle side that won the FA Cup at the beginning of the 50s, one of the three sides as well. He won the FA Cup with Newcastle and then he won the FA Cup with Sunderland. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, I, I, I haven't got the numbers, but I suspect he's probably the only person to do that. Um, well, because Sunderland have only won it once up in the, back in seventy. Three, my maths is right. So, no, they, no they, they won it again in the 20s or whatever with Rich Carter and whatever. But uh, yeah, I think he's probably the only guy that's he's certainly the only guy that's won it as a player with Newcastle and as a manager with Sunderland. Yeah. Um, but let's not get too ahead of ourselves. Uh, let's just look to get the right result on Saturday. Now, yeah. you're going to want the prophecy, I presume. I am. Go on. How's it going to go? Well, the first thing I'm going to say is that I think Newcastle United can win on Sunday. But what I'm convinced of is, that, and this is the only thing that's important to me, that is that Newcastle will get through and be in the fourth round. Whether that takes a replay after a draw at the Stadium of Light and we we'll win the replay, or whether we win first time, if you push me, I'm going for winning first time. But I'm more convinced that we'll get through, and quite frankly, that's all that matters. If it takes a replay, I'll, I'll, would you settle for that now? I'd settle for that now. I'd settle for a replay. I'd like Newcastle to win outright on the day and beat Sunderland in their own backyard down at the Stadium of Light. I am really, really nervous though, John. I'm never ever going to say Newcastle are going to get beat because uh, I can't bring myself to do it. But I'm, I'm dreading Saturday. But fingers crossed they do get through. Um, first time we don't we don't want to replay we don't want an added game uh, to the schedule by the way if, if in 89 minutes we're 1-0 down and we equalise you'll want to replay mate don't worry about well, yes in, in that scenario <laughs> but if I could pick it Newcastle win it a cancer at the Stadium of Light uh, thank you John for uh, providing the match preview ahead of Sunderland versus Newcastle in the FA Cup third round on Saturday 12.45 kickoff. Head over to chroniclelive.co.uk for all the latest Newcastle that I use including Eddie House press conference on Friday and of course live coverage of this game through our dedicated match day blog. Mm-hmm.